We heard a few moments in the gospel reading what Jesus said would happen, and it happened in Acts as Stephen, one of seven, was called to serve, and then as he served in Jesus' name and spoke in his name, he met his death as a martyr. What follows is in Acts chapter 8, these words, listen, and Saul approved of their killing him. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. But those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And we think about these things as you're seated, please. So I know how it goes, and so do you. When we come to worship, we expect to hear about Jesus. Jesus and his connection with us how we had been separated from God because of our sin, and how Jesus bridged that gap and brought us back to God and began to restore us to the fullness of how God created us in the first place. And that's only right, Jesus the center, and that we speak about him, we learn about him in different ways to express what he did, how that connects with our life today. But then what? Well, that's what the book of Acts is about. And that's what the book of Acts of the Apostles teaches us. Once we have faith, then what? What happens? What do we do? How shall we go about life once faith is alive? Then begins the Acts of the Holy Spirit to which we address ourselves. And we begin today with what you heard read a few moments ago, how in Acts chapter 7, one of those seven who had been chosen to serve, remember, widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food, and the apostles chose seven men to supply that, why they applied themselves to the preaching of God's word and to prayer. But among them, Stephen found himself, however, singled out, speaking and living his faith, he was called to account. He was confronted and he was persecuted. And as you heard part of what he said, you also heard that he died precisely because of Jesus and his life in him. And then the persecution spread. It spread as chapter 8 told us. And everybody, every Christian that is, except for the 12, went here, there, everywhere as they left the holy city. And then Saul took over. From outside the church, there were problems within in the distribution, but now the problems, the persecutions from the outside begin to center on God's people. Persecution. You know, I've wondered more than once, and maybe you have too, why do Christians get persecuted? Why did those who followed Jesus Christ get confronted 
and even worse, lose their lives. Stephen was the only one, wasn't the only one. I mean, Jesus' life was great. I mean, he reached out, he helped, he taught the way of God. He was a man of peace. Why persecute him or those who followed him? Well, perhaps it was because Jesus was in so many ways countercultural that he went against the grain of how everybody thought and acted. And perhaps it was because Jesus at so many turns, even with good news, upset the status quo. Even, and maybe even especially among those who believed in God in those days. Well, I think of that with persecution, but I'm not sure that many of us think about persecution today, either why or that it is happening at all. But we need to because persecution is happening. And when we think about it, it seems distant, far away, and not close to home. But listen, it has happened from this point in Acts, even throughout all of history, even to this very day, those who follow Jesus stand against opponents. From bias to verbal abuse to punishments to imprisonments, and even, yes, even today, Christians are being killed precisely because they believe in Jesus and live as he has commanded. That's why Paul could write to Timothy in days past the days of Acts, he wrote, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ. That's the reality. And the reality is something you and I need to face. And face it, we do, as we look at the world. There's a map of the world here. And while there's a lot of particulars that I won't particularly go into, those shaded parts of our world where persecution is happening today, to one degree or another, from a little to a lot, from verbal confrontations, even to the point that Christians are losing their life. Martyrs. For the Lord Jesus. It's amazing when it comes to mind and when we think about, in fact, there's a few stats where it's hardest to follow Christ is North Korea and Afghanistan. It's happening even far away. Countries where Christians face the most violence, Pakistan and Nigeria. Countries where most Christians are martyred. Catch this, Nigeria, 1,300 50 people. In Central African Republic, almost a thousand. 260 million Christians in the world experience high levels of persecution. We're not just talking a little confrontation here, we're talking high levels. One in nine Christians experience those high levels. One in nine across the world, even right now, today. I remember, although it's not today, back in 2004, I had a chance, an opportunity to go to China and to visit the mainland with a group of pastors with whom I was associated. And it was so different 
not just the countryside, seeing the mountains and seeing the people work in the mountains and how they lived as being different, but how their faith was stifled. Oh, back then, you could come together in church. You could worship, and they did worship even with gusto. In fact, they they sang for an hour before the church service started. But afterwards, by law, they weren't allowed to speak of their faith. The name of Jesus couldn't be spoken once they left the building. And as far as we were concerned, a government agent went with us each and every place we went to visit. And Christians had to be very careful. In fact, we were warned, be careful what you talk about even in the hotel room because it may be bugged. It may be bugged. Books like Jesus Freaks and Voice of the Martyrs speak about this and bring it to awareness if we're having our eyes and ears open. Have you heard of uh, a Lutheran pastor by the name of Richard Wormbrand? He was a Romanian Lutheran pastor. In more recent history, in the 1940s late and into the middle 1960s, he spent over 14 years in prison and tortured in prison. Why? Because of Jesus and his stand for him. Talking about what Jesus did, the good news of that, and speaking that faith in him and following him was incompatible with communism. He died eventually for Christ. Something in these persecutions that really stand as the largest human rights violations today. But it happened not only a while back, distantly and not so far back. It's going on today, too. You need to know if you don't already. For many years, the opposition almost wasn't there. I mean, our country, think of this, was founded on Christian principles as well as Judeo principles, principles of the Bible. And if there was any disagreement, if there was anything said or thought counter to that, it was mild. It didn't raise big problems, certainly not conflict, imprisonment, or taking of life. If if someone disagreed, that was okay, fundamentally. But the persecution today, even close by, it's ramping up. It really is, but not to the point of death. People are not just being questioned for Christian faith, being stifled, penalized, informally and formally. And you know what? You don't have to have a persecution complex to recognize that. Do you know what I mean by a persecution complex? That is looking around and thinking everybody's against you. There's other names for that too. But you don't have to have that relative to your faith to have your eyes open to it is happening as Christians are marginalized even among us, silenced, put down, laws that begin to go against what we stand for with Jesus. Not yet outright attack, but many people of faith are being attacked. We need to be faithful. And sometimes even when it's a little bit 
against Christ. It can go unnoticed among us. Or we can say, well, it's not really that big a deal. I don't believe it, but, you know, it is what it is. Well, Peter, writing later in history of the New Testament, tells us not to be surprised. In chapter 3 of his letter, he wrote, But even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, reveal Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and with respect. Don't be surprised. And don't be afraid. You know, one of the frequent echoes in Old and New Testament, one of the echoes from God himself through prophets and apostles and the rest is, don't be afraid because I'm with you. Don't be afraid because the Holy Spirit works within you. Be not afraid, but be prepared. Listen. Listen to what has been said as we're not to be afraid and not to be surprised. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But praise God that you bear that name. Don't be surprised. Don't be afraid. Take a stand. These are the words of God that come to us and come to us with encouragement and with promise of endurance and of power. This is a basic, a fundamental part of our faith of following Jesus. You've heard it said before. I guess Alexander Hamilton said it, and even Peter Marshall, along with a lot of others. If you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for everything. Or more. You know, we got a couple of cars at home, and one of them was leased because, oh gosh, it was such a good deal, couldn't pass it up. But that lease is now coming due, and we've got an issue, a moral issue that's before us. Because who produced that car stands for things that are not compatible with our faith. In fact, they go 180 degrees against our faith. And so we wonder... One car or two, do we give money to buy it out? And that contributes to that company giving money to things we do not believe that are oppositional to our faith? That dilemma is before us. Maybe similar ones are before you. But listen to what Jesus says. If anyone is ashamed of me in my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in glory, the glory of the Father and the holy angels. What does that add up to? Take a stand for Jesus. Take a stand for what he stands for. You know, 
I think of this often and not too long ago as our confirmands stood before us. And we asked them questions about what they learned, what they believe. And we asked them this question, do you remember it? Maybe you do. Do you intend to continue steadfast in this confession? That is the Lutheran confession. And steadfast in this church. And listen, to suffer all, even death, rather than fall away from it. That's a lot to ask of a 13-year-old or so. Maybe even inappropriate, I can't help but think. But what about you? What about me as we have grown and continue to grow in faith and standing with and for Jesus? Are we ready to suffer everything, even death, for the sake of Jesus? Maybe we need to be asked, will we remain faithful to Jesus Christ? That's a lot to deal with in light of persecution, past, present, and what may yet come. A challenge to take a stand. So, why did you come to church today? Only you know. Only God knows. Maybe you came to be comforted. Maybe you came to be with your friends. Maybe you came to hear the old, old story of Jesus and what he did. And God bless you for that because Jesus did what you and I couldn't do. He paid for what we did do. And he brought us back to God. But did you come to hear that and then to walk away comfortable like all is well and maybe even easy than ever before? The call today is difficult. It's tougher than that. This is what happened with the Acts of the Apostles in the early church. This is part of the Acts of the Holy Spirit then and today to take a stand that matters it really does and as you think about your life and others as they witness it and maybe remember it what's your legacy living what is your legacy as you leave may it be this that you and I together and individually have taken a stand for Christ the world needs to see that the world needs to hear that. So, as Peter concluded his first letter, I can conclude with you, the God of grace, all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. After you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast? To him be the power forever and ever. Amen.